From the Utah School Counselors Association, this is The Sounding Board, where school counselors share ideas. I'm Nate Webb. And I'm Hilary Emmer. We can't wait for you to hear these ideas. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to The Sounding Board. Today's episode is a recording from December of 2020 with Hillary and our elementary school counselors for an episode of Starting Little, Ending Big, the ongoing series we have with our elementary school counselors. In this episode, they discuss anxiety, how it presents itself, how we can help our kids with it, how we how we can help ourselves with it. It's an amazing episode with so many gold nuggets. You guys are going to love it. So please sit down, relax, and enjoy. Our topic this week is about anxiety and um, maybe we want to, I don't know, do you guys want to maybe start with like addressing, that's a big topic, <laughs> that's kind of like a loaded question, like I guess maybe what you're seeing in the elementary level, how we're going about addressing it, um, and then if there's other things you can think of that you want to kind of help guide this discussion, but that's kind of where my mind has started. For me, anxiety is one of the most common things that I help students with. Um, and I found out from another school counselor about a program that she was using and it helped me and has really helped students that I've worked with. Um, I don't know if, is it okay to say the program? <laughs> I think so. They aren't, okay. they aren't getting any money, but if they want to, we'll take it. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, it's called worried no more. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, Dr. Irene Wagner is the one that put it together, but another school counselor showed me about it, uh, told me about it and showed it to me. And so then I ordered a kit that they have for schools and I've used that with students and, um, it helped me in working with my own daughter and in knowing how to help the students. It basically educates them on what anxiety is. And what's interesting is when you tell kids that anxiety is normal and helpful, some of them are surprised. They think that anxiety is bad no matter how much you have. Yeah. And so it's good to clarify that. Um, and we can get into some of those things a little bit more, but you asked, you know, has it changed? this year, um, there, there is a little bit more of it. Um, I, I am working with several students to help them with anxiety, but I noticed as I've taught them what anxiety is, what your body will feel like, what thoughts you may have. And then we teach them to ride the worry hill that by avoiding and escaping, we're actually feeding the anxiety and making it stronger. And so when Christy Ludwig did her presentation for Yuska, everything she said went right along with what I found in teaching the students and helping the students. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you find yeah. that anxiety is presenting, like how is it presenting itself to you like do you are students saying I have anxiety or are you kind of noticing just kind of in what they're saying this sounds like there might be some anxiety going mm -hmm. on how are you guys kind of identifying that so kids rarely will say straight out I have anxiety because yeah. a lot of times they don't know so yeah. you're you're watching are they missing school a lot are they complaining about stomach aches a lot um it's pretty, that's what's nice about kids 
it's pretty easy to pick it up in them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes parents will call and say, you know, my kids seems to have a lot of stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of times when you're talking about kids, in my opinion, sometimes that lack of life experience will cause them some anxiety. They just don't have enough life experience. Yeah. But the other thing that I love about kids is it's always almost even shocking to me what little amount of support they need put in place to make a huge difference Mm -hmm. and after and I I guess I say that because at the high school it was totally opposite of that (laughs) you know it felt like you really had to spend a lot of time yeah and and energy with teenagers and they would do the well that won't work for me that won't work for me well that's pretty rare with kids Mm -hmm. you start putting some tools in place and you start getting responses man that really helped me and I thank you so much for helping me with that. So again, a lot of it's just that lack of, they've never done that before. So they're nervous about trying it, but yeah, I agree with Elise on just trying to get them to not avoid it and then using those past experiences. So they'll come in school and say, you know, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, actually you can, cause yeah. you did it all last week and you were awesome. Yeah. So you use those past experiences to build off of and help them to move forward. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, yeah, go ahead, Holly. Holly. <laughs> one of the things that I think I've seen over this year is parents' anxiety feeding down to kids' anxiety. Definitely. So the parents are really anxious about certain things, whether it's the virus or other things in general, mm-hmm. and then it makes the kids more anxious. But then what I, I'm, so I'm finding that I'm doing a lot of conversations with adults on, yeah. it's okay to have our kids have anxiety. It's okay. like Gina said, it's actually really, and really said, it's really healthy. It's anxiety is a protective factor. It's also a motivation piece. I mean, there's a lot of benefits from anxiety. Even but, a strength builder. Yes. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so it's having our adults in their kids' lives being able to manage their anxiety so it's not impacting our kids in a negative way, right. if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. One of the things I always like to hit on is that um, the goal isn't to get rid of anxiety. That is an impossibility. That cannot happen because you, you kind of do actually need it to live, right? It like, keeps us safe. Yeah. I mean, if this building was on fire, I would hope I'd have some anxiety about that to get out and get out of the building. Right. Um, so it can be that motivating life-saving thing. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, spice too little isn't enough too much is drowning. Right. And so it's kind of that it's, it's about managing it and knowing when to sort of let it like work for you. And when you need to say, Whoa, this is like taking over, I need to be in charge, not my anxiety. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes that kind of helps to at least understand it. But I think that putting it that into practice is always where it's harder too. Well, one more thing I wanted to say too on that is parents, oftentimes they think they're, they're not being a good parent if they don't clear the pathway, if they don't take all the anxiety away. Yeah. And the truth is the <laughs> best parents don't do that. Yep. The best parents let them trip up a little and have to climb over a fence. And yes, so that's another thing is kind of helping parents realize 
Yeah. They play a, play a critical role in their kids developing that strength to deal with difficulties. Life's hard. Yep. It just is. And so I think we're seeing a lot of the, you know, kids getting in those teenage years and they're giving up and they're saying, I can't do it. I can't. And they, yeah. when, you know, a lot of that's because yeah, it's been too easy, so to speak. Well, right. Mm-hmm. And I think like from the middle school side, right. And it's like, you know, these kids have not been coming to school when it's hard for seven, eight plus years. And to try to undo that, you know, for an incoming seventh grader, um, it is so much harder, right? Because the more they're reinforced to stay home or to miss school or to not have to face the thing that is hard, the harder it is to even just then to do something simple, you know, um, like if it started because I missed because of a test, now I'm missing because I don't know. And now it's like I haven't attended in like a month, you know. Um, so this is another reason why we need elementary counselors, right? Because you're seeing like they're willing to try and do things and they're having success and they're learning how to navigate that. And they um, were intervening earlier to put in those preventions so that they hopefully are not that seventh grade student who's stuck. And that just gets harder, you know, each year that goes on. So just this past week, I did a couple of Zoom meetings for parents and taught them about anxiety and that if we let our kids avoid and escape, it will just strengthen it. But letting them know, you know, you you can give your child empathy and say, I know this is hard for you, but I know you can do hard things. Yeah. And helping them get through that um, can really really make a difference. And when we can educate the parents and let them know, you know, you're, you're not a bad person if you're encouraging your child to take some safe risks. You know, a lot of times parents will um, walk on eggshells or they don't encourage them to take some of these small risks that help him to be successful and to find that they can do hard things. And so uh, I think it's really beneficial to also teach the, the parents. And so this program that I use also has a piece that we can teach the parents. Well, I think that's one of the things that is different about elementary than sometimes in the secondary levels is that what we do with the kids, we also need to do with the parents. Mm. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of my time when I was in the elementary school was spent working directly with the kids, but then working directly with the parents as to what I taught the kids. Because yeah. if parents knew different, they would already be doing different, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> if you knew how to do it, they would. <laughs> yes. And so it doesn't make any sense for me to teach a seven-year-old a skill that they only use in isolation in my office, when I'm there to guide them, they need somebody in all of their lives. You know, when we talk about the school counseling program being systemic, this is an example of that. Yeah, The kid is the center, but all of the systems that support that student need to know these skills because they're going to need that support from all stakeholders, not just the school side. Right. And it's true. Sometimes a parent doesn't know better. They really don't. So taking those opportunities to teach anytime we can. Um, I like to send out a weekly best practice parenting tip, which involves some of this stuff and says, you know, don't, don't take their stresses away. Mm -hmm. Teach them how to navigate them. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's an important thing for sure. Yeah. And I also think that sometimes our parents, they don't know how to navigate them. So when we're saying teach them how to navigate them, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? And so it, it, I think that there's a lot of systems teaching that school counselors do in an elementary. I'm not saying secondary don't do that, Yeah. but I think more so in an elementary because yeah, it's just, you can't change 30 minutes a week yeah. or whatever it is, 15 minutes a week or whatever it ends up being. Well, an 18 year old or 17 year old is, is different than a seven year old, right? They have more autonomy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully do right. <laughs> and that, we, we want them to grow to be uh, self uh, achieving functioning adults. Right. And mm-hmm. hopefully aren't needing their parents to intervene for everything. And if they are, that's another issue. Yeah. Um, but I, I do see that too. That's a big, big piece of that. But I also kind of do think I think secondary could probably do more on that in that we're recruiting all the systems of support for our students. Um, and that, how are we reaching out to our communities and maybe we utilize our social media more to help teach and educate and reinforce. Um, or, you know, I mean, I, I know we certainly reach out to parents when we're working one-on-one, but I think this is sort of one of the takeaways I've had, especially with COVID is that I think the role of school counseling has shifted to sort of the um, the well-being overseer of the school community. You know, the students, the faculty in the building, because there's anxiety there. How are they doing? And, you know, healthy teachers are going to interact with students better and teach better. Um, but our parents, too. And that's, I think, one thing we've really seen is like even with virtual learning, right? Parents don't know how to help their kids do this. So what can we share to help make that easier? And I think it's just, I think we're learning that that's a big important piece that we probably leave out too much. Um, And that I think we all need to just think a little more intentionally about on how we're teaching parents too, you know? One of the things that I love to teach both students and parents about is where does anxiety come from? Yeah. It's the worry of what has happened. We've seen this, these things happen. And so we're worried about that and we're worried about it going to happen again. Mm-hmm. But if we can do that mindfulness piece, and I know Elise is a big supporter of mindfulness, but if we can get people to stop worrying about the past and the future and get to the present, then we can actually make some difference with anxiety as well. well and, and, oh, go ahead, okay. Holly. And this is like speaking from somebody who is high, highly anxious. So the fact that I can recognize that, mm-hmm. it's hard to practice it, though. It really is. Mm-hmm. But it's well, an emotional learning skill. Yes. See? Yeah. yeah. I like to teach the kids the difference between the feeling brain and the thinking brain. And, and if your feeling brain is going, your thinking brain isn't working. Yeah. And so what can you do to slow that feeling brain down so you can get the thinking brain working? And we also talk about um, your thoughts. Your thoughts have a lot to do with your anxiety. Um, one of the examples used is uh, you're in bed at night, you hear a noise against the window. And when you think it's a burglar, how do you feel? Mm. You feel scared. But if you think, oh, that's just the wind blowing the tree limb against the window, then you feel calm but it's the exact same sound. It's Mm -hmm. what you're thinking about that sound 
that's causing the anxiety or for you to be calm mm -hmm. and for kids also to see that you can control your feelings with your thoughts mm -hmm. is very powerful. Mm -hmm. But then when that feeling brain gets going, what can we do to calm the feeling brain? And one of the first things to do is to label it. That's my anxiety or my worry bell is stuck or it's a false alarm. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever they choose to worry or whatever they choose to label it. And then realizing that the anxiety isn't who you are, mm -hmm. the anxiety is separate and that you can be in control. And sometimes it takes little tiny steps and we have to break things down into little tiny steps for them. Yeah. But our, our body automatically habituates, you know, it's like when you get into a pool and it's cold at first, you, you look at the kids, you go to a motel and they're swimming and then you tell them and they, it's kind of cold getting in, but then it's time to get out and they don't want to get out because right. their body got used to it. Right. Well, that's the same thing with anxiety, with doing different things. If you can force yourself up and over that worry hill, if you know, when you ride a bike, it's so hard and you want to turn around and go back down. Mm -hmm. But if you'll push yourself and get up over the top and the thing is, is if you do turn around, you feel better immediately, but you still got to go up that hill so yeah. you can get to the other side. Right. And so how does it feel when you do that hard thing and you get up over the top and you realize that you're braver, you're stronger than, than you thought. Mm -hmm. It's that realization and the kids knowing, whoa, I can do this. I can be brave. I, I can work through this and I'm going to, you know, yeah. do what I need to do. And for some kids, you just, talk to them a few times and they've got it. Other yeah. kids, you've got to really break it down and help them get through each step and, and uh, have the parents help and reinforce at home too. Yeah. So with this, do you guys, um, do you typically keep it more like individualized work or do you do like group work with um, students who have anxiety? How, what's kind of your guys's, um, approach. Yeah, Gina. I teach, I teach a full classroom. I think that's anxiety is something everybody needs to know what it is, how you deal with it, you know, how you move forward. And then of course, then the higher level kids, you do that specialized work with, but this is something everybody needs to know. Mm -hmm. When we talked about informing parents, this is something all kids need to understand. This is something all parents need to understand. And it's a life skill that they're definitely going to use their entire life and certainly to get them through their education. So yeah, no, this isn't specialized. This is what everybody needs. Well, and it, it's both because we teach yeah. anxiety to everyone, but then you have those kids that they need that, that one-on-one. -on -one. And then you can take the example they have. And as you're teaching them, you can go through the example and help them see how, how to work through the different situations. So you definitely teach it to all. Yeah. And then when you, you've got your tier two kids that then yeah. you're going to work with one-on-one. -on -one. Which is also that benefit of that tiered approach is that when you have those tier two or tier three groups or individuals, you've already got a language base. You've mm -hmm. already got a reference point that everybody understands. So they're also going back to that systems approach when that kid is having their meltdown and the principal's the one intervening. The principal also knows the conversations that have been had, the language of whether you're using belly breathing or you're using the get over the worry hill or whatever the language you're using in your school, because it's a tiered model and intervention. Mm -hmm. Everybody can intervene 
at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love all those ideas. And I, I think you're exactly right. And I can see how that ties into secondary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing I want to pick your brain on is, you know, if, if I'm a school counselor and I'm just seeing that this is such a big thing in our school, what would be like my first steps? Do I teach the faculty so we kind of have a base or start with a classroom lesson? Like, I guess, where where do you start? And, and I do think Dr. Christy Ludwig's session is fabulous just to give mm-hmm. you, the counselor, a great like foundation of like what it is and basic interventions. So like, if you've done all that, then what, you know? <laughs> so I would... <laughs> I have some ideas, but I want them to go first. <laughs> okay. Well, I think well, it's I think- critical that you everybody is involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. I do I do train the faculty on anxiety and stress and making sure they're watching for it in their kids. And and I again the more that are trained and understand, the better it's gonna be for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, then, I feel like it's something they need to learn and understand about themselves too, you know? Yes. And, and Gina mentioned last week, when we go do our classroom presentations, the teachers are asked to be there. Yeah. And so then the teachers know what we're teaching the kids and can help reinforce that or help remind the students of, of what was taught. Mm-hmm. I also think that when you have the opportunity and given the space to do training with your staff in faculty meeting or something like that. This is an, is one of those topics that I would do because you can't help student well-being if teacher well-being is not in place. Yeah. And so supporting the educators that are supporting students, I think is huge. Now that's not saying you're going to do counseling groups and those tier two and tier three with your staff, Right. But, but letting them know. And I think it says a lot when, an administrator gives time in a staff meeting to well-being. I agree. And, and I put that together as anxiety and overload and over you know, all those things together. But when an administrator says, we're going to spend most of our staff meeting talking about your issue, I mean, the support that you need as educators, yeah. then educators go, okay, this is important. And I, I can do that in my classroom too. Right. Teachers right. are stressed by the math content, the language arts content, that they've got all that to do. But when staff meeting takes that as a priority, then they can take that as a priority in their classroom too. Yeah. Well, I just, I look at this too, as like, you know, we've, as a state, there's been a lot of push for like social emotional learning. Right. And I think we always automatically assume that all of these initiatives and programs are just for students, but social emotional learning is for everyone, right? Well, you as an adult so- should be able to do that and practice those skills. And um, you can't teach them if you don't know how to, right? And and mm-hmm. I think that managing anxiety, especially this year, has become an essential skill to learn. <laughs> <laughs> and we've all kind of had to figure out what that is for each of us in a really heightened time. Um, and And so it's almost like, if anything, let's let the COVID kind of be the, the excuse to push this out and make it a priority that we haven't always really done this, but we want you all to learn this too, you know? 
Well, and we mentioned before that Holly and I are doing these wellness Wednesdays and those are things that help with the anxiety. Mm -hmm. They're so great too. Yeah. When you take care of yourself, you can handle the anxiety when it comes your way. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think since we're kind of talking, talking on that topic, I think one of the things that educators are notorious, or maybe I should just say I was notorious for is a lot of us (laughs) (laughs) is pushing myself to the limit Mm -hmm. and then breaking and anxiety is one of those factors that plays into that breaking part, you know? And I think that if we're doing things on a regular basis to manage that anxiety, to focus on our well-being as adults, our, that's going to trickle down to our students. There, there's just no way it can't. I mean, there's a lot of castle, you know, the collaboration of academic and social emotional learning. They have a lot of research that supports academics are increased when we deal with the social emotional needs of students. Yep. And I mean, there's just no way around it. We have to, they also suggest that you have to tackle the adults first. Yeah. And their research says, you teach your staff, your, your faculty, and then move to your students. And I think a lot of times our staff and faculty are willing to do things because it's for the students. And then we're kind of like, well, hopefully they'll catch on. Well, we're really talking to them, you know? <laughs> right. right. So, yeah. I think it's one of those things that's hard for the adults to say, I need this too. Yeah. But as adults, we need it. So I'm almost hearing, it's like, start with yourself first in some ways, and then make sure your faculty and staff are on the same page and then that can guide how you're going to really teach it school-wide with students too. Yeah. Yeah. And following up on Holly, I was just going to say, you know, the teachers come into the classroom with the students and you teach the lesson, but all the time I have teachers say to me as they're leaving, are you sure that lesson was for the kids? Cause it really felt like it was, for me. <laughs> but that's exactly what she's saying. Is then they're taking their part of it too. The kids are getting what they need but the teacher's also getting what, what they need. Mm-hmm. So Elise, you talked about, what was the name of the program that you've kind of been using? No worries. It's called Worried No More. Okay. I was by Arine Wagner. And she even has some videos on YouTube that you can watch for free. Great. But there's a program. Uh, she has a kit that um, is designed for the school. Uh, for people that work are working in schools. And, and I just started with that. The counselor that told me about it had actually gone and heard her speak. And so I contacted her to see if she was coming to Utah. And this was a few years ago and she, she wasn't. Um, but, but I've loved using that program. I also did a, a one that, let's see, a kid's guide to overcoming anxiety. Mm-hmm what to do when you worry too much, which is a cute little book and it has little pictures that they can draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, so that one's cute too, but I've seen uh, m- more results, better results, more positive results with this worried no more. Mm-hmm. Is it um, more elementary, like catered toward elementary students or could it be kind of used across the gamut? Yeah, you could use it with any age. Cool. You know, what, you even used it with your daughter. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So, <laughs> 
Yeah, we, I, I have a daughter that sometimes has anxiety. And I remember when she was in middle school, we'd gone on Christmas Eve to the mall mm -hmm. and we were having a good time. And then it started getting crowded and she wanted to leave. And I was a good parent and I knew that her anxiety was real. So I said, okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. And um, then probably a year later, I had this worried no more and started reading and learning and watching Arine's videos, Dr. Wagner's videos. And um, we had gone to, so now my daughter's in high school mm -hmm. and we'd gone to the Festival of Trees and we got there early and we were having a good time. Lunchtime comes and it's getting more and more crowded. And I remember she said to me, mom, I can't handle this. We've got to go. I just want to see the Grinch tree and then let's go. Mm -hmm. And so we went over and found the Grinch tree and I'm thinking, okay, wait, I, I can't let her <laughs> you can't leave. leave. Yeah, yeah. I, I know better now. <laughs> and so I found a spot where there were no people. And I said, let, let's just stand over here for a minute. I said, okay, take some deep breaths. Yeah. And then I said, I know this is hard for you, but I really want to see the crafts. I want to see if there's something that I'd like to buy. Yeah. She's like, oh, I hate this. And I said, I know. And I know it's hard, but I know you can do hard things. Yeah. So we're walking over to the crafts. She's like, mom, I hate this. I hate this. I said, I know, I know, but you're tough. You can do this. You can do hard things. And at one point she even said, I hate you right now, mom. And I just <laughs> smiled and said, that's okay. I understand. <laughs> so we went in and as we're looking around and buying some crafts, she's starting to relax a little more. And, um, and we walk out and leave. I mean, I didn't make her jump in. I didn't say, no, you're going to stay. So till we see every tree, I didn't do that. I just wanted to nudge her a little bit more out of her comfort zone. And when she walked out, she was just happy and just light and she did um, it. she yeah she like she took a little of that control you know and exactly anxiety running it that's and awesome. so that started to be my approach and and I'm gonna brag a little bit here but she was able to be an intern during the legislative session um so it wasn't last year it was the year before she so she wasn't there during COVID but the yeah. year before that and, you know, they had protesters there and it was crazy busy and she was running around doing all kinds of things and she absolutely loved it. But if I had let her escape, she would have never been able to do that. Mm -hmm. So as parents, we've got to help our kids be strong yeah. and just believe in them. I didn't get ticked and say, how dare you say that? You know, I was just like, I know, I know this is hard and you can do hard things. Mm -hmm. You well, really recognize the anxiety too, and that it wasn't her, it was anxiety. Yes. Yeah. And that's important. And then you've got to stay calm. You've got to model being calm. You've got to use a calm voice. And I love um, the love and logic one-liner that says, I'll be happy to talk with you about that when your voice sounds like mine. Because then your voice has to sound calm too, right? Yeah. And then you're modeling it. And maybe it takes a few tries like, okay, you're a little closer. That sounds a little better. Mm -hmm. When your voice sounds like mine, we'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, well and Alicia, you said something that just triggered. You said when you knew better, you knew you had to do something different. And I yeah. think you know, we've talked about how parents, they want to, to be the snowplow parent and clear the road. Yeah. Sometimes it's because they don't know better. And yeah. so I think that that's also, we've got to give our parents some breaks and 
say, now mm-hmm. that you know better, let's do differently. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it's, it's not because you didn't love your child that you weren't doing that. It's, right. it's you just didn't know differently. And so I think we need to phrase it that way too, for our parents. Now, yeah. you know, better. So let's do different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we love our kids. That's why when we were at the mall, you know, on Christmas Eve and she wanted mm-hmm. to leave, I'm like, I am a good parent. Yes. I'm going to help my child not knowing yeah. that I was letting her avoid and escape and making the anxiety grow. Yeah strengthen I find too that they um you know when you start kind of broaching that like topic of avoidance that like like if it's missing school they're like yeah it's so much worse now you know and when they kind of understand why um and that it wasn't because it it, is all out of love right and it's just that like I have tools that I know about that I want to share with you and it doesn't make you a bad or a good parent, but this will help us be on the same page. And what is our next goal? Knowing that this is going to, this is going to be really hard to come tomorrow and they're going to fight it even harder. You can kind of almost mentally prep the parents too to be like, get ready for the, the showdown. Right. But then they understand it's coming and kind of, you can talk strategies of like how to help work through that so that it's like, we're, this is the right path, even though it's really hard. <laughs> so I have kind of a funny story about that. When I was working in the school, I had a little guy who he did not want to come and he would scream at the top of his lungs and his mom would get him in the car and she would call us on the way. And then either myself or the principal would help assist the student into the school. And he would scream and yell and do all those things. And we had those conversations of you can't give in. I know it's hard, but you can't give in. And everyone once in a while she would give in and then there would be really hard, you know, and we'd have to start back. Well, now she is a secretary at a different school that I work at. Uh-huh. And she stopped me one day and she said, you know what, that was the best information that you gave me because now I'm passing that on to other parents. <laughs> <laughs> I can speak how hard it is if you do give in. Mm-hmm. But she said yeah. it was so hard at the time. It was, I just it, saw my it baby, is. baby hurting and yeah. And so I wanted to protect and I just, and she said, it's just so funny now that here I am five years later going, no, you need to bring them every day. It doesn't matter. We'll help them get into school <laughs> because she lived it, you know? Yes. yes. Well, and do you know, if they can get over the anxiety, they actually become stronger. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, so when my daughter did the internship, that was the winter we had all the snow mm-hmm. and they even closed the Capitol. But the legislators, they they stay up there in Salt Lake. And so they were there. So these poor interns that were living, you know, a ways away, you know, she drove through the snow every morning to get there. And and it it makes them makes them stronger and helps them to see, okay, yeah, I can do these hard things. Mm -hmm. You know, one more thing that I it took me a few years to figure this out, but it's pretty powerful is just teaching them to welcome that fear. Mm-hmm. So here, here's a story. I had a little girl that would just have a come apart when the wind started blowing hard. Mm-hmm. And um, to the point that she couldn't even stay in class, she'd have to come down. And this had happened several times. And so one day she come in and she was just in a panic and sat down and instead of helping her work through what was happening. I just turned to her and I said, what are you afraid is going to happen? Mm-hmm. What is it that what's your fear? And she said, it's going to blow the roof off the school. The roof's going to blow off the school. And I said, okay, what if it does? Mm -hmm. And then she just goes, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I said, 
what if it does blow the roof off the school? Mm-hmm. And she kind of had a little freak out for a second. And then she just stopped because I was just st- looking at her. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't know. I don't know what we'll do. And I said, we'll build a new roof. Mm-hmm. That's what we'll do. We'll build a new roof. She never showed up in my office again. That was it. <laughs> she just yeah. needed somebody fixed it. to walk through that. Yeah. And I, and I had yeah. another one with a little girl that for some reason she was in this place. She kept saying, my mom's going to die. My mom's going to die. This was a healthy, just fine mom. Mm-hmm. But she kept hitting it and hitting it. And I, as much as I just reasoned with her and said, you know, no, your mom's healthy. Everything's good. She wouldn't let it go. So I finally did the same thing. I said, okay, what if your mom dies? Mm-hmm. And she kind of, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. No, really. What if she does? What's going to happen? And then I walked her through and I said, do you think your grandma and grandpa will help you? Well, yeah, they're going to. Who else in your life do you have that would help you if that happened? Mm-hmm. Again, completely dropped it. It never came up again. So sometimes I think you just have to take them there. Yeah. Gina, what that does is it gets them out of their filling brain into their thinking brain. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's that, you know, cognitive uh, thought challenge, right? That that little piece of cognitive therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and which I think is kind of a tricky thing because when we think about that prefrontal cortex, where that logic resides, Mm -hmm. it's not developed. And when we're thinking about elementary kids, they need that help getting there and so do middle school kids they don't have (laughs) it like really it's not fully developed till what your 20s like 25 ish right late 20s yeah so it's really like all of our kids are like they're not there and when you ask them why they did that crazy thing they don't know why they're not just trying to be smart they really don't know why (laughs) yeah and so it's it's helping them get there and the more we can help get to help them get there that builds that muscle Yep. And then they yeah. can I like for that, that other areas. I like that. That's yeah. I just, I think you guys have hit on a really good point that we're just kind of the coach, right. That it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're going to help you work, exercise your mind muscles a little different <laughs> than you might be used to. Um, especially with anxiety where you're used to it being like your feeling brain, probably most of the time and operating with that in charge to stop and kind of challenge it with thoughts is going to be harder to do because that muscle is not as strong yet, you know? Well, and then we have to create new memories so that when things happen, instead of thinking, oh, the wind's blowing. Last time the wind blew, I went and hid in a corner. So then you think you need to hide in a corner. Well, you've got to create a new memory that you do something different when the wind blows and you think, okay, well, if this happened, this is, this is my plan, you know, and, and some people will uh, suffer from extreme anxiety their whole life. It's just learning how to cope and manage it. Some people will have bouts of it and then not have problems again. It just, yep. just depends on the person and depends on the circumstances. Which then at least that makes me think of too, that there, I think anxiety is one of those words that has gone from a medical diagnosis to a common language piece. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are going to have a diagnosis of anxiety. Yeah. But that does not mean everybody who experiences anxiety has a diagnosis of anxiety. Yeah. And so we've got to also help people understand that when anxiety becomes debilitating, yeah, that's when it's a problematic anxiety. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's great. It's too much spice, right? Exactly. <laughs> yep. <Too much> spice. <laughs> yeah, like this. Is there anything um, as kind of a wrap up that um, you want to just really kind of let let uh, our counselors know maybe thoughts to think about next steps um i don't know like a kind of a, a wrap up of like it's such a big topic and i think we kind of gave a good sort of intro some things to think about so is there kind of anything else you kind of want to like uh wrap it up with today i think for me one of the things that you pointed out that i don't know i've ever thought of it this way but really when I started to look at my own dealing with anxiety myself, mm-hmm. that changed the way I helped kids mm. because I recognized that my anxiety was normal. My anxiety didn't have to be a bad thing. It actually was a very good thing. It helped me reach goals. It helped me achieve things, mm-hmm. but I had to work on my own mm-hmm. personal issues first. And I think that's one thing that sometimes we're not very good at. We, we don't want to be seen as incompetent. We don't want to be seen as lacking. I will admit I'm a highly anxious person, mm-hmm. but I have learned to manage my anxiety, which helps me become, and I have coping strategies that help me deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was one of my big things is I had to deal with myself first before yeah. I could work with kids. Yeah. Putting that oxygen mask on yourself <laughs> before you yeah. put it on right. your child. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think just wrapping it up, just making sure that you're hitting all of the, the parents are being taught, the kids are being taught, the teachers are being taught Mm -hmm. so that you do get more of that foundation set, which, you know, increases success for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's a lot of it too, is it's like a moment to sort of just, um, we know this is a huge issue in schools and we know it's um, only gotten bigger um, with what's going on. Um, And I kind of look at it as like, hopefully we also use it as this opportunity uh, for some self love as well to kind of really like figure out, you know, you know, we're all kind of carrying around this COVID backpack. So how am I kind of managing my anxiety and stress? whether it's related to COVID or other things, but this is kind of my time too, to say for my own health, to be able to help you longer and more years to come, I need to like take care of me and know how to manage this for myself too, you know? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we are really good at is recognizing in kids that they have all these things bombarding them, mm-hmm. but our adults are the same way. They have lives outside of school and the stress of school and the anxiety of COVID in school is not their only anxiety building situations. And so we need to be kind of like you said, self-love, but be patient with ourselves. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, you guys, I, I, I just love talking to you. I learned so much and I just love being able to pick your brains and I always get really good ideas for myself that I'm going to take. Um, so I, um, you know, hope you guys have a great relaxing holiday break and you actually get to like take a break, whatever that is for you. (laughs) And, um, 
you know, we'll, I'm excited to meet again next month. Do we have like an idea of what we're going to talk about in January? We can put a little teaser out. Oh, I just sent an email out. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, did we talk about that we were going to do the difference between elementary mm -hmm. and secondary? Love mm -hmm. it. Okay. So yeah. January topic, if anyone has questions they want to submit, um, send us an email at the sounding board um, at utschoolcounselor.org or hit us up on our social media. But we're going to talk about the differences between an elementary counselor, middle school or junior high counselor and high school counselor. So um, especially our grad students out there, I think this will be a really good conversation for for them. So all right, you guys, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah um all the all the happiness for this time of year <laughs> we'll see you in 2021 right Ooh, yeah, yeah. Right. 2020 oh, will be over year. we survived it <laughs> wow <laughs> it is hey thanks hillary thanks Thank holly you and Gina. see you guys bye bye bye, -bye. bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Sounding Board. Email the sounding board at utschoolcounselor.org to send us your questions and ideas. If you like our podcast, please rate and review our show. It helps other school counselors find us. Links and additional information for any references from today's episode are in our show notes. Check out our website at utschoolcounselor.org where you can listen to past podcast episodes, register for any of our professional development opportunities, and become a member of the Utah School Counselor Association. USCA members also receive bi-monthly newsletters to stay up to date on current Utah School Counseling news, events, and issues. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at UT School Counselor and on Twitter at USCA Tweets. The mission of the Utah School Counselor Association is to support professional school counselors in their work for students through advocacy, professional development, recognition, and support. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our members. We'll have more ideas to share with you next week. Let's go. Let's go.